Welcome to the Rosie on the House Arizona Hour. Driven by Sanderson Ford. Your weekend wake-up tradition. It's Rosie on the House. And a beautiful Arizona Saturday morning to you all. Doesn't get much nicer than this. Well, you might not have said that if you were Joe Hall waking up 86 years ago this week. (laughs) Oh, who's Joe Hall? (laughs) He has the distinct pleasure of being the first incarcerated resident of Cottonwood. He's known as the Arizona Bootlegger King. And this week, 86 years ago, August 8, 1933, Sheriff George Ruffner. How's that for a sheriff's name? Ruffner. Yeah. Ruffner's got a big family history in that part of Arizona. Bouncing through Joe's door, and he was known as the Arizona Bootlegger King and threw him in jail. Right there in Cottonwood. And now, (laughs) 86 years later, Cottonwood is known as the heart of the wine country of Arizona. And we're going to talk to Tom Pitts, who's part of the Verde Valley Wine Trail, a little bit later this segment. But not before we talk to Cottonwood Mayor Tim Alinsky, who joins us on the line. Good morning, Mayor. Well, good morning. How are you? No, no George Ruffner outside your house this morning, I hope. No, I'm, I'm surprised to hear you guys have brushed up on your Cottonwood history. I think that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do our best to bring uh, whatever our staycation destination is of the month. Uh, we, this month is Cottonwood. Uh, bring, we find those, those history, find those stories, find that past and share it with our Arizona listeners. And as the mayor of Cottonwood, uh, do you have a, a favorite memory or story uh, that, that you'd like to share with our listeners this morning? Well, I, you know, I, I love Cottonwood and I sure appreciate the opportunity to speak about it. Um, I've been coming to Cottonwood since I was a little kid, so I grew up uh, on the East Verde River, but my aunt lived here, so we would come over uh, frequently and visit her, and some of my earliest memories are walking down along the Verde River, which is a beautiful, you know, beautiful stretch of river that, that winds right through town, you can access it from the jail trail, so those are some of my earliest memories here. And the jail trail, that's quite, uh, how would somebody get to the, the, the start <laughs> of that trail? Right. Well, you know, Sheriff uh, Ruffner could, could uh, escort you to the jail trail, or you could uh, find it just by parking uh, on the uh, north end of Main Street in our old historic district. And you will see there an old River Rock jail, um, and that is the uh, the head of the trail. Now, if you've ever been to Cottonwood and not made it to Old Town, you know, there's a lot of things that could distract you before you got there. You could turn off at Dead Horse State Park. You could turn off and mm-hmm. head towards Cornville, head up towards Sedona. To get to the historic strip and downtown strip of Cottonwood, you've got to zigzag your way in there a little bit. And y'all have done a phenomenal job. Uh, I, we, let's see, what year was it? I think it was A99? We finished uh, an Eagle Scout project at oh. Dead Horse State Park. And oh, okay. from that time until about 15 years later, didn't have a, a reason to get into the historic downtown. And man, has it changed a lot. You know, it really has. And it's, uh, it's hats off to all the entrepreneurs in the area um, and the restaurateurs that really have helped bring Cottonwood, uh, historic Old Town Cottonwood back. Um, I bought my home here in Old Town about 15 years ago, and 
folks thought that I was crazy to do that. <laughs> uh, <because laughs> it was a pretty rough. It was a pretty rough place, and I'm not saying it still doesn't have its its rough edges, um, but it it just adds to the character of Old Town more than anything. But the vibrancy that you see on Main Street is is just phenomenal, and it really is a beautiful place. Um, and one of the most unique things about it is uh, you won't find a single chain down there. It's all independently owned uh, yeah. businesses, which is which is great. Family yeah. owned, and uh, they do a really great job at making it a a wonderful place to visit. Is that by specific city guidelines, or is that just the way it organically grew and developed? You know, it, it, it's organic. You know, there's nothing that we can do um, from a policy perspective to limit or prohibit um, chain restaurants from coming into town. Um, and that's not something that we, we want to do, but it really did. It grew organically. It's just a, a good partnership between the city and the uh, independent business owners and you know, we are open for business. We want to encourage, uh, you know, family-owned businesses to come in, and, and we want to make sure that they thrive. Mayor Tim Alinsky of Cottonwood, Arizona. Now, Mayor, I have to ask you, how many, how many people do we know live in Cottonwood proper? So Cottonwood proper is about uh, just under 13,000. Wow. Um, but uh, we're kind of in the Upper Verde Valley, and so we have a lot of unincorporated areas uh, right out at our doorstep. So you don't really know where the line right, is between right. that, uh, the county residents and Cottonwood. So the up, whole Upper Verde is about 35 to 40. You know, I had an uncle who was mayor of a small town located halfway between Houston and New Orleans. And the whole time he was mayor of that little town, he would always say, man, I wish I was mayor of New Orleans. Because no matter where he went, Pat's Diner or church or the Piggly Wiggly grocery store, somebody was complaining about the ruts the garbage truck left in the front yard, or <laughs> he just couldn't get away. He said, I'd much rather be mayor of a big city I could hide. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's, it's difficult to hide here. That's true. <laughs> so you've, you've been in that home there in Old Town, downtown Cottonwood, for 15 years. You're, you're from the general area your whole life. How long have you been mayor? So I've served uh, as mayor for three years, um, and uh, I've been an elected official for about 14 years here in Cottonwood. So I started out serving on the Planning and Zoning Commission and then got appointed to serve on council, and I've been serving ever since. And what are some of the key industries? I mean, we're going to talk with Tom Pitson a little bit about the wine mm -hmm. industry of the Verde Valley, but what are some of the other industries that, you know, the, the, our, the 35,000 people that live in the area? Uh, that right. So I'm, I'm so glad you're going to be talking about the wine industry. I think it's, it's so critical for our area. And it's, it's interesting, too. Uh, and I'm glad you started off with the history of Cottonwood, because even prior to the bootlegging days, um, you know, this was predominantly an agricultural and ranching community. And the mine industry that moved in uh, really decimated all of our crops and everything and, and didn't allow for Cottonwood to become, uh, to continue as uh, agriculture. So it's really interesting that now we're coming back to that, you know, 80 years later. Um, so, so the wine industry is big in the area. Um, you know, the other industries, we don't have any one main industry since, of course, you know, mining left um, decades ago. But uh, we have a lot of uh, hospitality in the area, Sedona specifically, Jerome, of course. Um, in Cottonwood, it's, you know, the hospital is a big employer in the area. Um, we have a, a, the casino, the Yavapai Apache Nation is a large employer. In the area, of course, the county and the city are big employers. Um, we also have some great 
uh, independent businesses, again, like Wild Tonic. is a very large employer in the area. They're, uh, they uh, ferment kombucha, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Okay. But we're lucky. Yeah, we're lucky to have them here in Cottonwood, um, as well as Molden Graphics and the uh, cement plant out in uh, Clarkdale. Both Molden Graphics and the cement plant are located in Cottonwood. Or, excuse me, Clarkdale. And then the college as well is a large employer. And you also have the wildlife zoo there off the uh, between Camp Verde and Cottonwood. Yeah, out of Africa, that's a great place to visit. Um, it's uh, it's a phenomenal uh, campus out there. If you haven't seen it, you really should check it out. It's um, you know they have a zip line out there, all kinds of exotic animals, and uh, it's you know it's just just a great place for the for the family. And then the question we ask everybody: when you have a weekend to schedule or plan for yourself. Do you have a favorite Arizona staycation you take your family to? You know, we, uh, we have several favorite haunts throughout the state. We, we do a lot of hiking, a lot of camping uh, with my family. So any chance we get, we, we head out into the outdoors and, uh, you know, I'm not going to disclose any of our <laughs> Good man. Good man. <laughs> Come on. But I can tell you that, I mean, any, I, I love Arizona. I especially love rural Arizona. I can tell you, any any corner of our state is going to offer a lot of a lot of treasures for the uh, for the traveler. Well, we appreciate you spending but, time, and uh, I know you're at home with your family, and we'll let you get back to it. Uh, thanks for. I I just want to ask him one more question. Were you sure. around in '67? I was not. You were, so you? <laughs> no, I was not. But but I heard it was a great year. So you don't you don't have an Elvis Presley piece of memorabilia no i don't but if you if you're an elvis presley uh nut or you like john wayne um you should really visit the cottonwood hotel here in cottonwood Uh, the owner karen left has got a lot of memorabilia around those two individuals who both visited cottonwood uh frequently so um like i said there's a lot to explore here in cottonwood so i really do appreciate you guys focusing this weekend on it well, enjoy the rest of your weekend with your family. We appreciate your time and look forward to our next staycation in Cottonwood. That is where our winner will be traveling. They're staying at the Pines Hotel uh, next weekend or the weekend after. I can't remember off the top of my head, but we'll have their report at the end of the month oh, about great. their time in Cottonwood. And You know, the one thing that always comes to mind when when visiting the Cottonwood area have you ever taken I mean, you're, you're on your way up you're going up I-17 and you've got the Arcosanti exit and you've got Montezuma's Castle exit and Montezuma's well and all these great attractions to get you all the way to Cottonwood when was the last time you ever stopped at any of those destinations on the way up that well, always blows my mind it's so close why don't we come here more <laughs> yeah that's true and plus the new the new state park it, that uh the Awafria. I mean, they, they're, they're getting that all developed up. And the amount of Indian ruins you can see in short hikes just right there. Uh, it's a little warm to do it right now, but boy, in the middle of winter, that's a great hiking spot. The Rosie on the House, Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. Jump down, spin around, let's have a whole way. Start again. Oh, okay. Take two. Stay away, Joe. Hey, give me the key. Right there. Da, 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 da. I was right. Okay. I right. Scared myself, man. 
Jump down, spin around, let's have a party. Look who's back. Stay away, Joe. Choctaw, Chickasaw, gonna drink hearty. Welcome back. Stay away, Joe. Stay so that's away, the Joe. theme song for the movie Stay, Stay Away, Joe, and that is Elvis Presley's direct connection to Cottonwood, and also we throw in Sedona, too, as well. Elvis shot on location. It was, it was 1968, and he played... Oh, boy. He played rodeo champion Joe Lightcloud, a mixed-race American Indian who returns to the reservation to help out his family. And, of course, hilarity and fun ensues and whatnot. But there are some key scenes where you can, where you know it's exactly downtown Old Town Cottonwood. He's in a convertible driving down the street. He's got some lovely ladies on the side, and he's singing along and all that. But, um, uh, you know, it. It's obvious Cottonwood, and that was 68 versus today. Really, it hasn't changed that much. So, uh, but, but would you want it to? No, not at all. Not at all. In fact, he talked about the jail that's at the far north end. Well, you see it clear as day in the movie, and today you can see it as well. Um, but uh, from what I was told, and the story goes, Elvis was a very kind person, and uh, he wanted to find a way to thank the cast, the crew, and of course the people for filming the the movie there in uh, in the area. So his manager, Colonel Tom Parker, and his record company RCA put together a thirty minute radio show of his inspirational music uh, from a couple of albums that he recorded previously. It was pressed on one record, and it was sent to KVIO Radio in Cottonwood, and it was to air only one time with announcer copy. And I have a clip of what it sounded like the day it aired. This is Joe Adams, who's the announcer, and I think he worked at KOY back in the day. Very famous announcer. And uh, this is how it sounded as it started Sunday, November 5th, 1967. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. On this Sunday afternoon, Elvis and the Colonel bring you this program of sacred songs taken from Elvis's sacred LP albums, How Great Thou Art, and his hand in mine on RCA Victor Records. It is their way of saying thanks to you all for the wonderful hospitality you have shown them and all of the members of the Metro Golden Mayor Production Unit, now in the Sedona Cottonwood area, for the filming of Stay Away Joe. Now, after that show aired, the record had to be returned to Colonel Tom Parker's office, which wow. it did. So somewhere in the world, that record exists. How valuable? Oh. <laughs> Who knows? And that's the story. Elvis would return two years later to do another film in Arizona called Charo, and that was shot in Gold Canyon, uh, Superstition Mountains, and some photography was done in Tucson. So he loved this uh, state, and uh, rumor has it he stayed in Sedona an extra six months after Stay Away Joe was done. Wow, I think I remember Charo. I never even heard of Stay Away Joe. (laughs) All I'm going to say is this— he trades in a horse— for a red convertible Cadillac. The sign on the front of the auto dealership says, we trade on anything. <laughs> Not one of his best films, I'll say that. But it's worth watching. It's, okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, uh, you mentioned his generosity. He did a tribute uh, in Hawaii to raise funds for the USS Arizona Memorial. One of the reasons we even have that memorial is because of that concert that he and uh, Tom Parker put on. That uh, the day of the concert, it raised fifty thousand dollars, and you know this is the the sixties. By the time the checks came in from everyone that saw that on TV and radio and broadcast, by the time the aftermath of all that came in, it got them to the half million dollar point they needed wow. to create that memorial. If you are an Elvis fan, well, thanks, Elvis. Thank you, baby. <laughs> I got some things going on this weekend, man. Oh, why don't you tell us there, Romy? 
Musical Instrument Museum has a two-day Elvis event today and tomorrow. That's on Tatum Road and the 101. You can go to mem.org to see all the details. And they've got to, they've designed it as a family activity. So they've got everything from kids to people who remember and grew up uh, with Elvis. And then out of the Casa Grande Dispatch, there's an Elvis Arethan tribute show at the Paramount uh, <clears throat> going on 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 the 17th. I think I think that's the day after his the, the anniversary of his passing. So that's Casa he, Grande. He yes, sir. He and Aretha both passed on the same day. That's right. And they're doing a combination tribute show for Elvis. I, know, and I never knew that either. Learning all kinds of things here this morning. Well, so Elvis lived in Memphis. Right. Was from uh, Mississippi. Yeah, tu- mm-hmm. Tupelo, 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 Mississippi. Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Uh, lived in Graceland, Memphis, and Passer. Well, Aretha was born in Memphis. So there's one more tie between those two. Great artist, man. So, are, 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 are you mm-hmm. going to go to the man after this? Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I have been to Graceland, and I tell everyone, whether you're an Elvis fan or not, you got to see cool. it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's stuck in the 70s a little bit. I mean, when you walk in, the rooms are kind of small, and but it's the kitchen that gets me because it reminds me of the kitchen I grew up with, and I'm like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the shag carpet in his living room that's on the walls, I just, yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm really glad that trend in housing did not stay long. <laughs> And a lot of smoking was indoors at that time. Oh, Can you yeah. imagine yeah. going into oh, a, a home that active smokers with shag carpet on the rug? I mean, it probably just smelled like a, a ashtray the yeah. whole time. Carpet <laughs> cleaning hadn't been as advanced as it is today, so you know <laughs> it was something. But, uh, yeah, if you're, ever in Me- if, if you're ever in Memphis, definitely do Graceland. Other things in Arizona, if you're a history buff, the Arizona Heritage Center is a museum run by the Arizona Historical Society at Papago Park, one of their seven hotels, and they've got a living, they've got a history section going on. You can go to ArizonaHistoricalSociety.org. Uh, they're open on Saturdays from 10 to 4, and they've got just a ton of great Arizona memorabilia. They've got wax figures of Wallace and Ladmo. They've got planes that were used to help Fighter pilots learn uh, combat. They were flown out at Falcon Airfield for World War II. And that's something that we need to do, like a, a Rosie on the House. Arizona Historical Society Museum Tour. Hit all seven. That, I think that would be a lot of fun. I'm in. The tank is full, and we're moving through the Arizona Hour with Sanderson Ford and Rosie on the House. You distracted me there with Elvis, man. I blew right through our true or false trivia for state oh, park passes. Sorry about that. Got to do some passes. Give away some state park passes. Uh, I'll get you a peanut butter and a sandwich at the end of the show. Baby. True or false. Dead Horse State Park was named after a rock formation that looked like a dead horse that Calvin Capp's kids uh, saw when they were touring the site when looking for a place to move to. You text that answer to 411923. Did I say it right? 411? Yeah, 411923. Yeah, exactly. mm-hmm. <laughs> true if you think it's true, false if you think it's false. Dead Horse State Park is named after a rock formation that resembles a dead horse. We also had a texter 
text in and say, yesterday was the first day of National Elvis Week. It's been listening to the Elvis channel on XM Sirius. Well, thanks for taking a time out of your Saturday morning to switch over to your local Rosie on the House radio affiliate and join us Saturday morning. Also joining us this segment. Just finished up with the mayor of Cottonwood, Mr. Tim Alinsky, and now we've got a special, another special dignitary on the line, Mr. Tom Pitts, who is the founding president of the Verde Valley Wine Consortium and a current member of the board of directors of the Arizona Association for Economic Development. Mr. Tom, thanks for making time for us this morning. Well, happy to be here, and of course my wife points out I go to way too many meetings, so uh, <laughs> sometimes it works that way. <laughs> Meetings. How, how meetings, many of those meetings. does she have to come pick you up and drive you home from? <laughs> uh, well, we, we try to avoid that, but you just never know. Uh, but no, I, I do tend to get a little involved in some of these things, and uh, uh, dignitary is probably not the right title for me, but I, I certainly am a participant. <laughs> well, you are, and you've been up in the Verde Valley for a while. Well, I have. Uh, when I came back to Arizona, uh, I came back to Arizona in 05, uh, I'd spent quite a bit of time in Tucson, went to school down at the university. And uh, when I came back in 05, uh, I promised my wife, as a matter of fact, I wasn't going to get involved. I'm one of those guys that's always been kind of uh, involved in a lot of stuff. And uh, next thing you knew, I, I was just in so many different organizations and meetings, it's it's never stopped. But the the fun part about the Verde Valley, and, uh, and this is true of Cottonwood in particular, too, um, is there's an awful lot of collaboration in the area. Um, and so there's a lot of volunteerism and a lot of uh, a lot of folks work together to get things done, and and that makes it a lot of fun to be here. Well, let's talk a little bit about what drove you to found the Verde Valley Wine Consortium. Uh, well, I'll tell you what; it's a couple of three things. Um, we had we we kind of saw the uh, economic crisis coming uh, back. Uh, in around 06, 07, we kind of saw it uh, coming. Uh, and so we started to do some organization around the area. And uh, the first thing we did, actually, at that time, I was the uh, president of the uh, Chamber of Commerce up in Jerome. And so um, we had five chambers in the area and the Yampai Apache Nation, and we put together a, a regional tourism council uh, to try to work together and Instead of fighting over each tourist, tourist that came to town, we, we kind of worked together and helped get some things done. Uh, out of that, we spun a group called the Verde Valley Regional Economic Organization uh, as an economic development group for the area. Similarly, if we were going to attract a business or, or a new uh, entity of some sort to the area, if for some reason they weren't going to be in Camp Verde, well, let's bring them to Cottonwood. Or if they weren't going to be in Cottonwood, let's take them to Jerome or you know whatever it might be. Um, and when the law changed in 06, it had been illegal in Arizona for a long, long time uh, to do uh, to make wine, uh, all the way back to Arizona Prohibition, which actually happened uh, five years before the federal prohibition. Um, so this had been a great area for growing grapes and making wine back in the mining days up in Jerome. Um, there was a, a fellow over in uh, the Sedona area, uh, Henry Sherman was his name, who was uh, uh, growing uh, on the order of like 60 tons of wine grapes a year which is about uh, 4,000 cases of wine equivalent, uh, and uh, moving that wine primarily up to uh, Jerome with all the or international uh, uh, folks that were working up at the, wine, at the uh, mine. Anyway, he was put out of business when they uh, shut everything down and everybody left, and they forgot about it. Well, finally, in 06, they changed the law 
uh, in Arizona, and, and based on a uh, ruling from the U.S. Supreme Court that kind of made them change the game and made it legal once again for these folks to start making wine. And so uh, they started here in the area, and we had started doing some of this regional activity uh, when the uh, law changed. And so we set out to see what we could do to kind of help it out. Um, and so we started the consortium in 08. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, and I'll go back to the collaboration idea, when we started the original uh, consortium, we had all the wineries that were here as members, uh, but the entire board was made up of other businesses. There wasn't a single winemaker on the board. Uh, I wound up uh, as the president. Our vice president was the executive dean of the college. Uh, our secretary was the economic development director of Cottonwood. Uh, our treasurer was with one of the banks here. Um, it really became a community uh, effort. Uh, to make something happen in the area, and uh, obviously it succeeded quite well. Well, so Sherman is here in the late 1800s, plants grapes in the Sedona area. How he knew to do that, who knows? But then the industry lays dormant for almost 100 years before y'all pick it back up again here in the late, well, in this in just this last century. How, yeah, how do millennium. You, how do you know... What what are you looking for when you're looking to start a winery? You you got to be looking at lot orientation. You got to be looking at soil types, drainage, water availability. What else? Well, um, and, and of course you got to have an enthusiast uh, who can afford to write the check. Uh, <laughs> that's always an important piece of the puzzle. Um, but uh, but there was a history here, and uh, this is an area going all the way back to the uh, Spanish explorers. Uh, you know, when they started looking for the seven cities of gold, they started uh, planting grapes around uh, this part of the world uh, long before they did in the, the eastern half of the country. Um, and so there there was some uh, track record, but uh, when everything was shut down, it was kind of forgotten about. So there was a uh, professor that came to uh, the University of Arizona uh, in 1970, uh, transferred over from the University of California, Davis, which is, among other things, the big wine school in California, oh, up near okay. Sacramento. All right. And uh, he had done soil studies uh, for these wineries all over California. He wasn't a winemaker. He was a hydrologist, a soil studies guy. And uh, he started uh, on his own, just started approaching people around the state to say, hey, let's try planting this stuff and see if it works, because he thought the soil looked good, you know, based on his experience. Um, so he, he finally uh, took that to the governor, and the governor uh, at that time, uh, this is all the way back in 76, uh, said, well, that's nice, but how about we do a formal study? Uh, and so he put together a $95,000 grant and worked with Gordon to, to put that together. They called it a four-corner uh, study. They involved New Mexico, Colorado, and Utah, uh, where it was legal in all of those states, so they could compare data, uh, and started doing test plots all over the state. In 1979, uh, Gordon reached out to uh, an enologist, a winemaker friend of his over at UC Davis, to come over and do some test batches and say, well, you know, it's one thing to grow the grapes. Now let's see if it's worth a flip, you know, wow. for wine. Um, and uh, lo and behold, there was some really good stuff happening all over the state. Their favorite was down around Sonoida, uh, down south of Tucson. Sure. So uh, they went back and they, they uh, decided to force the, uh, the bill, and they had quite a struggle to get it done. Uh, but finally, by 1982, the first uh, uh, wineries were licensed, the first one, uh, was somebody connected with the uh, university that started around Tucson. It was too hot down in the desert. Uh, he later then moved down around the Wilcox area, and his uh, original vineyard is still in production. Uh, second one was up in this area, 
And the third one, uh, Dutt partnered with a rancher down in Sonoda and started Sonoda Vineyards because uh, he knew it was a good area. Um, his uh, 1986 Reserve Cabernet uh, was the first uh, Arizona wine served at the White House uh, for the Bush inauguration in 89. Awesome. So, that's you know, a, that's he, great. To prove you could do good wine. That's great. So if, if Sweet Jennifer and I are, are getting closer to the horizon of retirement, and I'm thinking, well, we'll do a little grape orchard winery to secure the income. We're kind of stay-at-home people. Uh, how much property will I have to come up to the Verde Valley and find? Um, well, that's going to be a little bit of choice uh, as to what uh, you and Jennifer choose for lifestyle. Um, we have some uh, quite productive areas up here that are as, as small as five acres. Uh, some of the world-famous uh, uh, vineyards are that small. Wow. Uh, but typically, I'd recommend in the area of 10 to 20 acres. Okay. Um, and it, it's going to provide a, a, a comfortable income uh, and, and a nice lifestyle. Um, the fun part about the wine industry is it tends to be, uh, you know, kind of socially based. Uh, people like to visit and they like to chat and they like to uh, have some fun. And that's part of why I'm facing them too, so well. So... Uh, so, so if yeah, I, you can look at like a twenty-acre plot and probably okay. uh, be producing a pretty good income. We'll find a, we'll find twenty acres, and what are the first things we have to do? How much am I going to have to put into it? Uh, well, I have to bring your checkbook. Um, <laughs> the uh, and of course with Rosie on the house, I assume you're just floating in money, so you won't have any problem with that. <laughs> well, Jennifer is. <laughs> I'm sure you, you and Rosie have no problems at all, in Jennifer. <laughs> I'm, I'm, anyway, she keeps uh, me on a pretty tight allowance. Well, I'll tell you what, the, the good news, I mean, you know, it's Arizona property. And um, when you compare the property cost here to, say, places like Napa or Bordeaux or something like that, uh, it feels like our property uh, is, is very inexpensive sure. by comparison. I mean, they're selling property by the square foot in Napa now. Um, so, uh, you know, first of all, you have to obtain the property, and then you need to clear it and get it ready for what you want to do. Uh, it's a fairly expensive uh, undertaking to get started. You know what? I think we're losing him. It, it, it's yeah. been in and out the whole yeah. interview, unfortunately, because he's got some great information. Oh, man. The guy's like a walking encyclopedia. Hey, there's got to be the issue of wildlife. I mean, Verde Valley is full of deer and javelina, and they got to love grapes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. So fencing the property, irrigating the property, it'd be real curious to find out. Just And then once you plant the grape, I, I understand it's like five to seven years before you can expect any reasonable amount of crop to, to produce. So if Jennifer wants to retire on a winery, which she's never said she wanted to do, but... <laughs> But if she did, I guess we'd better get started on it pretty quick. Yeah, and I don't know about grapes, but uh, your nut trees are like that. Pecans, they say eight years before they start producing. Pistachios can be as much as 12. Walnuts are up there. So I don't know if the grape falls in that same uh, classification of... Well, Tom was sharing with me that it's about a seven-year turnaround. But once it's producing, you've got 45 years of production. Wow. So... And if you were on a smaller five acre and you did come up with a wine that people enjoyed, you know, because you only have five acres and you're producing a limited amount, that's when you get to jack the price up for your exclusivity. <laughs> <laughs>
I tell you, I have a rough time, though, because... Uh, Free enterprise. Uh, I've done my bike rides, uh, this big 40-mile loop around Sedona, and there's a place called Havelina Leap uh, Winery. Yeah. All the reds are awesome. But right across the street is the Game and Fish Hatchery. That's right. So Page I'll, Springs Hatchery. Yeah. yeah, and I'll sit there and look at that. There's that one trout that's looking at me going, <clears throat> and then I look at the wine, then I look back at the fish, and I'm... <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> well, let's go on a little break and see if Tom's cell connection comes in, because I would like him to visit with us about the Verde Valley Wine Trail. It's our wide open road. The Rosie on the House Arizona Hour with Sanderson Ford. And congratulations to our Flagstaff listener who won this week's Arizona State Parks Passes. Knew the answer to the trivia question was false. Dead Horse State Park was named after a physically dead horse that the family found when they were touring the property. Cottonwood was named after the cottonwood trees, and there are two types, the Fremont and the Narrowleaf. Some of the fastest-growing trees in America, capable of growing six feet in height per year, and is in the same genre as the Aspen. I would not have put cottonwood and Aspen in the same genre, but we're going to be talking trees this our, our next hour, this week, next hour, with the Integrity Tree Service, will be joining us in the 8 o'clock hour. But right now we're going to finish up our Arizona hour and see if we can't get Tom Pitts back on the line to finish talking about the Verde Valley Wine Trail. Hey, Tom. Yeah, let's see how it works this time. Oh, very good, very good. Well, let's talk about this wine trail y'all have set up basically right along 89A that goes from northeast of Sedona all the way across the river to Jerome. Well, it actually encompasses the entire Verde Valley. There's also some uh, folks over in Camp Verde. But the, the primary focus, we put together uh, a wine trail with the idea of making it easy for folks to uh, be able to find the tasting rooms. Uh, we now have over two dozen tasting rooms uh, in the Verde Valley. And the good news is they come in clusters. So uh, as an example, in Old Town Cottonwood, we have six tasting rooms now. Uh, the, and I'm talking about uh, operations that are actually run by the wineries themselves. So uh, we've got six there. We've got five up in uh, Jerome. Uh, we've got uh, three over right now in Sedona. Uh, there's a, a cluster along Page Springs Road uh, that uh, really kind of got the game started. Uh, and then there's a few over also uh, toward uh, the Camp Verde side. So we've, we've got a number of folks, uh, uh, you know, putting out some hospitality and wine and food and all that sort of thing for people to uh, come sample. And how could people get a copy of the actual map? Uh, well, the easiest way is to simply go online. Um, what, uh, what we've done, and, and by the way, somebody credited me with being the director of this. I'm not. I, I happen to be one of the originators, but I've never been a director of the trail. <laughs> um, but the uh, it, it's vvwinetrail.com. It's real simple. VV, like Verde Valley, uh, winetrail.com. Um, you can download a map uh, or... Uh, uh, check out some of the locations and it links to all of the websites and so on for all the wineries as well. Fantastic. Tom Pitts, founding president of the Verde Valley Wine Consortium and current member of the board of directors of the Arizona Association for Economic Development. Arizona survives because of knowledgeable men like Tom Pitts that are willing to contribute their time. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Oh, well, you know, I, when I visit with people about the wine uh, industry in Arizona, 
I had no idea there were over two dozen in the Verde Valley. Uh, and these tasting rooms now, uh, Tom wrote an article in the Sedona Magazine about what caliber of chefs they're putting in these tasting rooms. So you can go get a darn good meal and an Arizona glass of wine along this trail. And you don't have to hit all 24 in one day. (laughs) (laughs) Take your time. Spread it out. Spread it out. But I only have one beef against the wine industry in Arizona. Oh, yeah. As a bird watcher, (laughs) I used to could go to Sonoida and Elgin and Patagonia in the 70s and stay for like seven or eight dollars a night. (laughs) It's... It's it's seven or eight dollars a second oh, now. Oh man! <laughs> Let me tell you, they really drove the price of rooms up down there. In a survey done by the Arizona Wine Tourism Industry, the <clears throat> dollar value most of the Arizona wine tours are from in state. Seventy-seven uh, percent, in fact, come from within the state. Out of the state, top states that come and visit the. Arizona wine industry, Illinois, California, Wisconsin, New York, Washington, Canada, Colorado, Texas, Indiana, Florida, and Ohio were the top states that visited countries, Canada, Mexico, and believe it or not, Scotland. Would you say Scotland was a big visitor to our Arizona wine industry? Well, it's uh, our Arizona Hour. We cover all things Arizona outside of Cottonwoods, some other things going on, greater Arizona Country Music Association, uh, the second Saturday of every month in Prescott, have an open mic and potluck from 2 to 4 o'clock. You can go to at the CASA, Senior, Cent, Senior and Community Center on Manzanita Circle, if you're a country music fan. Opportunity for an open mic. And then coming up in a couple of weeks, now, you know, if you've heard this broadcast before, one of the things Jennifer loves to do is the prickly pear. And at Oracle State Park on August 31st, they're having a prickly pear picking and harvesting event open to the public that you can go attend. I'm sure State Park uh, fees are, are very affordable. I don't know exactly what it is for Oracle, but it's going to be, a, you know, once you pay your, to get into the park, the actual prickly pear part of it, it, there's no cost to it. So you've got a lot of great things to do around the state. We try and bring those to you here every Saturday morning in our newest hour of our broadcast, the 7 o'clock hour. We call it our Arizona hour where we cover all things Arizona, people, places, and uh, events. We highlight one specific town each month, and that's where our staycation winner is going to. You can sign up right now. Go to rosieonthehouse.com. Click on the staycation tab. It is the 10th, so we have not drawn yet for our September staycation, which will be Pine Top. A great opportunity for listening to the Elk Bugle. If you've never had an, or experienced Elk Bugling at night, that is an Arizona staycation must-have, and we're going to make it possible with Sanderson Ford next month. Go to ArizonaStaycation.com. <laughs> 